What is up everyone? It's Quinn here. And in this video, I'm going to be talking about a couple of buy low and sell high players heading into week 11 of the fantasy football season. This is really your opportunity to kind of make a push for the playoffs or potentially bolster your lineup if you're already in a good spot to really dominate when you are in the playoffs. So going to be talking about four players today, two to buy low on, two to sell. Already talked about my top waiver wire targets if you guys want to check that one out. But let's just dive right into it. We're going to start off with one of my buy lows, and it's going to be Brees Hall. And I really do feel like a nice buy low opportunity has really opened up here for Brees. He's had back-to-back primetime games, and in both of those games, he's been a little bit underwhelming. He definitely hasn't like completely tanked 10 PPR points in week nine then uh, 10 and a half last night. So that's not terrible. But if you're firing up Brees Hall as like your running back one, that's not the production you're looking for, especially if you're actually having to like sit down and watch it. It can definitely be frustrating. If you roster Brees Hall and you're not like totally on board with him rest of season, super high on him, and you actually have to sit down and watch these Jets games, watch this offense operate, I do think it's going to be very easy to kind of panic and wonder how Brees Hall is ever able to get anything done on this offense for fantasy football, especially with what we've seen over the past two weeks on primetime. The thing is, though, he just can overcome this offense, even though it hasn't happened in the past two weeks. It's not like it hasn't happened in the past, and it's not like it won't happen in the future. So this season, we saw Brees Hall fully get unleashed in week five. That's when they took the restrictions off. And from week five on, he's had a 50% snap share or higher. And so since week five, Brees Hall has scored 28.4, 20.3, 21.3, 10, and then 10.5 PPR points. That's 18.1 PPR points per game in the opportunities where he's locked in as the clear-cut starter without a workload restriction. In those games, he's averaging 15 carries and 4.8 targets per game. So he has that nice weekly workload. We know he has the big playability, which can kind of help him out because that solid workload is decent, but it can be inefficient at times with how rough this Jets offense is. So I think, you know, the production through five games has been solid, even if the last two haven't been great. He's shown over five games he's been solid. And then even when we look back to last season um, in 2022, Brees Hall played three games with over a 50% snap share where Zach Wilson was the quarterback. In those games, he scored 15.8, 27.7, and 20.1 PPR points. So even eight-game sample size of Brees Hall playing over 50% of the snaps with Zach Wilson at the quarterback position. And in those games, he's averaging 19.3 points per game. That's high-end running back one production. So if there's any narrative out there that like um, Brees Hall can't produce with Zach Wilson, in my opinion, it's just not true when we actually dig in and look at the numbers. And also looking at the future matchups for the Jets rest of season, it's not like he has a crazy tough schedule ahead of him. He has the Browns and the Falcons as like the two tough matchups remaining. Um, those are teams that have done a really good job at stopping opposing fantasy running backs. But outside of those two games, really nothing crazy in terms of stopping the running backs. So I think really at worst, I view Brees Hall as a mid-tier RB1 rest of season. There are very few running backs I would take over him. And if you can trade him for, if you can bring him in for anything less than like a mid RB1 price, then I would definitely be willing to do it. I think the buy low is there because people have probably watched Brees Hall, relying on them in their lineups. And he hasn't necessarily come through over the past two weeks, but with the eight game sample size we have, definitely does not mean that he can't do it rest of season. So Brees Hall is going to be my first buy low. Then the second one is going to be Tony Pollard. And some people may not want to hear this, especially if you do roster Tony Pollard because of how rough he's been. But I'm not, you know, going to deny anything. No doubt he has been a massive disappointment. 
I personally really liked Tony Pollard heading into the season. I thought the workload increase combined with his crazy efficiency and how great he's been as a player in previous seasons, I thought it was going to be a perfect match. Um, it has not worked out so far. And I think Tony Pollard's value in terms of how people are viewing him for fantasy has pretty much plummeted after this Sunday's game. The Dallas Cowboys went out, absolutely nuked the Giants, put up 41 points, and Tony Pollard was only able to put up 5.5 PPR points. That is unbelievably bad. That is a killer in your lineup if you drafted him probably in the second round. That's where he was pretty consistently going. If you drafted Tony Pollard in the second round, you're probably in a very, very rough spot. And that's kind of where you want to capitalize here because the Tony Pollard teams are probably not doing great. They might want to, you know, have a shakeup moving forward, try to get this thing back on track before the fantasy football playoffs. Um, and just looking at, you know, what's kind of changed from 2022 to the 2023 season. In 2022, he averaged 15.6 PPR points per game with a 48% opportunity share. So he was giving you RB1 production while taking less of the opportunities in his backfield. That is crazy. You had Zeke taking more work and Tony Pollard was still a fantasy running back one. So now this season, his opportunity share is well above 60%, but he's down to 12 and a half PPR points per game. So a huge fall off in production over three PPR points, despite the workload being larger. And there have been two kind of main factors that have led to this. The first one is that Pollard in previous seasons had been one of the most efficient players in the NFL, both as a rusher and a pass catcher. That efficiency has fallen off pretty hard this season. And then the second factor is that the touchdowns just haven't been there. Even on a smaller workload last year, he was still hitting in the touchdown department. He only has two touchdowns so far this season. But this is the way I'm kind of viewing this uh, Tony Pollard situation here. You are not buying him at the price where he was drafted, right? You are not going to have to pay a mid-tier RB1 price to get Tony Pollard on your roster. At this point, I think it's reasonable that you could be buying him as like a mid to back end running back two. I really do feel like people could be full blown panicking on Tony Pollard at this point. And if you're going to be able to get him at a mid to back end RB2 price, I'm going to be very, very interested in buying low on him. He's currently averaging 15 carries and 3.9 targets per game. And he's putting together that workload on an offense that has really kind of found its stride over the past three weeks. So it's not like this workload is on a bad offense. This Cowboys offense has been very effective as of late. Um, and even if the efficiency stays down, like personally, I don't know if he's all of a sudden going to go out and return to the efficiency we saw last season. I'm not even banking on it with trying to buy low on him here. I think the efficiency can stay down and he is still a solid option rest of season because I personally do believe that the touchdowns are just bound to improve at this point heading into week 10. So it's not including the uh, week 10 game, but heading into week 10, Tony Pollard had the second most red zone touches in the NFL, but only had the 32nd most touchdowns at the running back position. That is just not matching up. Even if you want to make the argument, Tony Pollard's not that big. He's not a good goal line back. He's not good in the red zone. Having the second most red zone touches on a good offense and it only translating to two touchdowns, 32nd most in the NFL at the running back position there is some positive regression that is going to have to come here for Tony Pollard. I think Joe Mixon is actually a really interesting kind of comp rest of season for Tony Pollard. And it even makes me sick saying that because heading into the season, it was like Pollard's on this great offense. He's going to have this huge workload. He's an efficiency monster, one of the best running backs in the NFL. And then the narrative around Joe Mixon was like, all right, he's going to have a ton of volume, um, but he's going to be inefficient with it. And unfortunately, that's just what we've seen out of Tony Pollard. But looking at Joe Mixon so far this season, he's been an inefficient option. It's not like he's seen some sort of 
crazy resurgence, but he's had a very consistent workload on an offense that maybe wasn't great early on, but has been great as of late. And through six weeks, people were kind of panicking on Joe Mixon. They were very concerned. He'd been disappointing fantasy-wise. He'd only scored one touchdown, and that was really where he was having issues. But over the last three weeks, things have corrected. He saw some positive touchdown regression. And in the last three games, he scored touchdowns in all three of them, and he scored 20, 17.8, and 12.5 PPR points. So his production has bounced back when the touchdowns have come. I think Pollard is another guy who, when he ends up hitting in the touchdown department, his production is obviously going to increase. And I wouldn't be shocked if rest of season he was an RB1, even if it's more of a back-end RB1. I definitely still think that's in his range of outcomes here. So I think the touchdowns will come as long as he doesn't you know, end up like losing a significant portion of his workload, which I really wouldn't bank on. Um, I think they're going to continue to rely on him. The touchdown should come. And if someone is full-blown panicking, willing to just give him away, I will definitely buy low on Tony Pollard. Now, shifting over to the sell highs, we actually have another kind of pretty big name here. It's going to be Alvin Kamara. And some people may not like this. Um, He actually saw a nice bounce back in usage yesterday had a 76% snap share. He took nine of the 13 running back carries, and then he saw seven of the eight running back targets. And you also had Taysom Hill, who wasn't overly involved in this game, like we'd seen in previous weeks, which obviously is going to be a benefit for Alvin Kamara. Um, And even in this game, the receiving usage is what we've kind of seen since he's come back from suspension. That's really what's been carrying him in terms of his fantasy production. But when we look at this game, this was pretty much the perfect game script for Kamara to really dominate the snaps. These Saints were trailing for pretty much the entire game. Um, I'm just concerned that long-term in more normal game scripts, which I do think are probably going to be coming for the Saints, I don't think there are many games where they're just going to be getting blown out rest of season. I do think the Saints may kind of revert back to the trend that we've seen over the past few weeks, where Kamara snaps went from 73% in week seven, down to 58% in week eight, and then they fell below 50% in week nine at 49%. That's the first time we've seen that in a few seasons. So he was on a downward trend in terms of his snaps. I think Jamal Williams is going to have somewhat of a weekly role. They brought him in during the offseason for a reason. And then Kendra Miller missed this game, but I think once he's healthy from his ankle injury, I think it's an ankle, um, then I also think he's going to be involved at least a little bit. And I think when we look at Kamara, it can be easy to kind of mix up real life NFL football and fantasy football, because from a fantasy perspective, Kamara has been great. From a real life NFL perspective, it's not like he's a player where you're saying this guy needs to dominate every single touch. He's been wildly efficient. We need to force feed this guy the ball. He really hasn't. Um, When you look at pretty much any efficiency metric, he's been pretty inefficient um, in his time this season. So I don't think the saints are going to look at this and be like, we need to continue to force feed Alvin Kamara rest of season. When we look at some of the other top running backs in the NFL, I just think the odds of them losing work rest of season just feel much lower, um, compared to Alvin Kamara here. I think he could potentially continue to lose work. So some of the players I'd be looking to trade for Alvin Kamara, I think ETN is a really interesting option coming off a down game. I talked about Brees Hall earlier, maybe in the minority taking Brees Hall over Kamara. I don't even think you need to make that trade. You could probably get another positional upgrade on top of it if you were kind of flipping Alvin Kamara for Brees Hall. I just think it's something to think about here. I do think he's at some risk of losing his workload. Um, And if you could flip him for a mid to high end running back one rest of season, you kind of take away some of that risk. And then the last sell high player here is going to be Brian Robinson. 
coming off a huge game, eight carries for 38 yards, six receptions for 119 receiving yards and a touchdown. This was just like a crazy peak game from B-Rob as a uh, pass catcher. He had 119 receiving yards in this game, like I mentioned. In the first nine games of the season, he had 137 total receiving yards. I really don't expect this uh, receiving usage to be the norm. It's not like he saw a huge uptick in his receiving role. He was still under 50% route participation. Antonio Gibson ran more routes. And we've actually seen Antonio Gibson put together his two best games of the season over the past two weeks. So it's not like Gibson is completely phased out of the offense at this point. And Gibson is still very involved as a pass catcher. I just think he kind of peaked in this one specific spot, but I do think we had seen a little bit of a concerning trend over the last few weeks with Brian Robinson in terms of his usage. Over the past six games, he's downed only 10 carries a game, and without really consistent receiving work, he becomes very, very touchdown dependent and also a pretty low ceiling player. I know he hit that ceiling game in this week, but like I said, kind of an outlier performance here. So I think he could definitely go out in week 11 and have a boom game against the Giants, Feels like a nice matchup where the commanders are probably going to go ahead. It's going to be a game script that favors Brian Robinson. So maybe you'll wait to sell high on him until he has a second big one. But once you start, you know, trying to play that game, what if he flops and the value is going to go back down? I think if you can flip Brian Robinson for like a fringe running back one, high end running back two, maybe put together a package to get a guy like Brees Hall. I may sound crazy to some people. I think you could throw out a Brian Robinson for Tony Pollard trade, and it may get accepted in some spots. Some of you guys watching this may actually take Brian Robinson over Pollard. For me, I would pretty easily take Pollard rest of season, but that's something I would look at here. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for some of these uh, trade guys. Going to be looking to buy low on Brees Hall and Tony Pollard, and then selling high on Alvin Kamara and Brian Robinson if I can. Thank you all for stopping by. I hope you guys enjoyed the video. I will see you in the next one.